podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Talk, talk podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. I'm joined tonight once again by Mike Plank. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. You know, we've, we've, we've got you on now three times in a row. I think at some point we're going to have to have someone else on here, but uh, you're you're building up quite the streak. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go out and say everybody else on the website sucks. How about that? Sounds good. <laughs> oh, boy. So, obviously, the big news of the weekend, uh, well, there was, there was a couple things. There was that, that first game for Kansas basketball. Um, it was the blowout that we were expecting, although I don't think it was quite in the fashion that we were expecting. Uh, we'll go ahead and touch on that a little bit. Uh, we'll also kind of do just a little mini preview of Kentucky. I don't want to get too deep into it. There, there's a chance I may be able to get some of the uh, guys from Asia Blue, uh, which is the Kentucky SB Nation website. Um, on for, for a segment later or maybe even a standalone podcast. It's kind of depending on, on the timing of it. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely, uh, you know, so, so we'll dive into that a little bit. And then, um, but really, first up, the, the main story, I think, uh, just because of given what happened last year, was Kansas going to play Texas in football. Um, it went actually a lot better than I thought it was going to. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the same old story. Kansas lost to Texas, 42 to 27, um, and that that 27 there, I actually got a late late touchdown, um, basically when everything was all over and nobody really cared anymore. So that that game was a little bit closer than it than it seemed, or than the final. I'm sorry, a little bit further apart than the final score would indicate. Um, but what what were your overall impressions of the game? I mean, did you actually see any progress? I've seen you know, some, some takes floating around that that was big progress for the defense. Um, but I'm interested to see if you actually thought there was any kind of progress at all in that game. Uh, I have no idea. I don't have one more network. So I was blacked out and I didn't have the wherewithal to go and get it. So I haven't actually seen the game so I've seen it highlights and, and what I've read from other sources, um, you know, looking at the numbers, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have Texas to under 400 yards of offense, but I mean, we turned the ball over four times in the first half, so I mean, right? <laughs> it, it, we, we, I mean, we could have beat them if we had competent coaching, uh, I think, and I kind of mentioned that in the recap that's on the website. Uh, you know, but we didn't, they didn't give us six turnovers this year, you know, and instead it was kind of the other way around. Uh, and they, they beat us rather handily. Um, but I, I mean, you can't, that, they had 28 points in the first quarter. You, you can't do that. Okay. You did that against Ohio. They did that against, uh, I don't know, a couple of other teams that aren't nearly as good as Texas. And it's just, uh, I get it. if you want to say in defense make progress, great, you know, power to you. Uh, you know, just close your eyes and keep keep wishing. But uh, you know, it's just it's just this they're just repeating another verse of what they did earlier this year and that was 
you know, dig a big hole and not be able to get out of it. Yeah, and actually, it's interesting, you know, that you say that, uh, I mean, that's the big story was that supposedly the the defense showed some progress, but I actually appeared last week on uh, Longhorns Unplugged down in San Antonio with uh, Johnny Walker, I believe it was on 9.30 a.m. Uh, down there, and, and we were talking about the game, and, you know, he made a comment about, well, the real question is, can, the, can that Texas offense get going? Um, you know, that their defense has been decent this year, but their offense has had a lot of problems actually getting going and, and putting up points. And so, you know, it's not really saying much that our defense is able to, to hold them um, to any really, you know, low number of yards. And, and honestly, when you look at it, we didn't really hold them that, low, that well. Um, the main reason we held them yards-wise is because we had turnovers so deep in our territory that they just weren't able to, you know, build up those stats. So, I mean, our, our offense, again, threw the game away, essentially. The defense was passable. I mean, we had some good pressure at times. You know, we, we got some turnovers. So, overall, I think it was, you know, much, much better than getting completely destroyed by, you know, I, Iowa State or TCU or Baylor. But in no way was this a, a good, you know, performance that we can really hang our hat on going forward. Um, you know, and, and I mean, really, I think the, the bigger story to come out of this isn't even really what happened on the field, because I think we all realized that they were going to lose. And, um, you know, I think we all thought it was going to be a little bit bigger than that. But a team like Texas, you know, isn't, isn't a world beater this year. It's Tom Herman's first year. Um, you know, they had all kinds of motivations. You might have thought that they were going to go ahead and, and actually, uh, you know, put up a lot more points or, or hold us to a lot less than we did and make that margin really huge. But, you know, they were a four and five team coming into the game for a reason. You know, they, they got completely destroyed by Maryland to open up the year. Uh, they haven't really been super competitive in, in their games against really good competition. And so they've just been able to kind of pick off the lower level team that they've played. There's no real expectations around this team. I mean, they're, they're expecting now to make a, a bowl game. Um, but, you know, they've, they've got two games left. And I don't know that they're necessarily going to be favored in both of them. I believe – I don't even remember exactly who it is. But, I mean, this isn't a team – you know, this isn't the, the Texas that we're used to seeing. They are rebuilding, but they're, you know, they're actually showing us what a rebuilding school should be doing, playing competent – you know, in most of their games and, and actually being competitive and giving their fans hope. Now, obviously, they didn't fall quite as far as we did to start, but, um, you know, a, a first-year coach in Tom Herman, a, a high-quality coach there, and, and, and I think that they're going to definitely get a whole lot better a whole lot quicker than we have. So, any other final thoughts about the Texas game? God, God man. All right. Well, I want to go ahead and jump to the uh, to the aftermath of the Texas game, because obviously or I'm sorry, for those of you that aren't aware, Kansas officially set the record for the most consecutive road losses in Division one football. Um, you know, David Beatty was actually asked a question about that, about, you know, what does it feel like or, you know, or do you have any comments on that? And and basically he said, I don't and then got up and walked away. That, that was right. right. I, I mean, you yeah. guys have probably seen the clip that's been running around Twitter. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I understand it's not a pleasant thing to talk about, but, you know, he's been a part of a good number of those losses. So it's not like he's completely blameless in the situation. I mean, he's been here for three years. 
He's actually been the head coach for more of the losses than any other single coach uh, by themselves. So, I mean, is, is there anything you can say other than he's got to at least answer the question about it? I mean, my first reaction was, you know, like, just what a jerk. Uh, you know, the the reporter that asked him, what I think was a guy from the large journal world, uh, which, first of all, surprises me. You know, they're the, the sunshine and rainbow site in the area. Right. But, uh, yeah. But I just... You know, the more that I, because I, I keep really watching it, I just, I just think it's hilarious. Um, and like, he just ends his press conference on that one. Uh, I don't know what it is. Like, the man just cannot take any kind of criticism. I just, I don't know how he thinks he's going to continue to insulate himself from it uh, the longer that you know, this continues, which, let's be honest, there's there's no relief in sight. Um, you know, next year's schedule is going to be tough again. Uh, even the non-conference games, yeah, yeah, we have Rutgers, but uh, we we lost by Rutgers to a lot the last time we played them. And things haven't gotten any better, as, as we've been noting. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know what my reaction is, to, to be honest. Um, it's it's not okay. I agree with you. I think it's a question that he should have to answer. Um, I don't I don't know what he would say. I'm sure he has some kind of you know BS coach speak answer. But and the other thing is, why was he not prepared to answer that question? Like he should have known that was coming. His the you know the King Athletics or the PR people or whoever should have told him ahead of time. Look, this just happened. You might get a question about it. Like did did that not? Because he was totally shocked by the question too. So I don't that that part didn't make any sense to me either. Yeah, I think what we've come to realize in in his tenure is that he's really good at taking the blame if it can be done in a way of using the royal we. So if he can say we as a team, you know, haven't been doing well and we as a team need to improve, he has absolutely no problem saying that because he can then write it off. You know, he's not having to to, um, call out individual guys. He's not having to talk about you know, his own personal failings. But when it comes to something like that, because I believe the question was actually phrased in a way, um, you know, what, what are his thoughts about that or, or his contribution? Or, you know, basically it, it, it came down to the fact that it was going to be hard for him to kind of do, a, you know, all of us contributed to this and we all have to work to get it better and all of that. But, but even that, I think he probably could have answered like that and then people would have been unhappy with his answer, but at least he would have answered it. Um, right. I mean, what it's showing at this point is that it's just continuing that trend of the inability of this coaching staff and specifically the leader of this coaching staff and David Beatty to, you know, stand up and be accountable for what they've done. You know, he talks about, you know, it, when he talks about improvements that the team needs to make, it's not what he needs to improve. It's what the players need to improve. The players need to execute better. 
you know, the players need to take what they've been taught and, and actually implement it in the game. I've yet to hear him criticize any of his coaching staff or himself for what they've actually done. Um, the, only, the only time that I can remember him doing that was when, you know, he took over special teams last year and he took over a lot of the play calling last year. And when he finally gave some of that back, it was, oh, well, I took too much on. It's not that he couldn't do it or that he was doing any of it poorly. It's that he had tried to do too much. And that's why he failed. It wasn't anything, you know, any kind of statement on the quality of the work that he did, just that there was too much work for him to reasonably be able to do. So, I mean, I've yet to, I can't think of a time where he's actually taken responsibility for what he did or for the poor results that were a direct result of something that he did um, and, and actually do that publicly. And I think that's what the, what the team and what the program needs at this point. They need someone to say, not that it's going to get better and we're going to make it better, but we need someone to come out and say, you know, I have failed at this, but I am going to do what I need to do to turn it around. There's no responsibility at this point. There's no accountability at this point. And I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of sad that that's really all I'm looking for at this point. I want someone to say that I have failed. Or I want someone high up in this coaching staff or high up in this administration to say, look, we have failed. I personally have contributed to that failure, but we have an idea of what we need to do to turn it around. And if they did that, I would at least be willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But the fact that they can't even acknowledge the, prob- the, the problem at this point means that there's no way that they're addressing it because the first thing you have to do to fix the problem is acknowledge that you have a problem and acknowledging it privately where you can rationalize it away or do, you know, any other number of things that you can do to, to, you know, push it away and and convince yourself it's not a big problem. um, Doesn't really do you any good. If you're not willing to admit it publicly, then there's sure as hell no way that you're actually admitting it privately and doing something about it. So until we can see the accountability, there's no way that we can think that they're actually going to improve anything. Because it doesn't sound from what they've been saying that they actually think there's anything wrong. They just think that they've been unlucky and not getting the result. Um, you know, yeah. I, I've heard of people in the NFL, people in baseball, people in, in, in sports in general say, you know, don't worry about the results as much as the process. That the process, you know, uh, you know so, so you can have times where you get bad results. Um, you know, but as long as your process is good, then that's okay. But you don't have results like this for as long as you do. And guys that look like they just don't know what they're doing. If the process is working just fine. You know, if we had a good process in place, we had a good coaching staff in place. We, they were teaching people what they needed to, to know. And the guys were actually learning. If all that is happening, then there's no way that we get embarrassed time after time. Like we have been for three years straight. Um, and so, you know, there's no way they can say with a straight face that this is a good process, that this is a very good, uh, you know, staff that we have put together that's doing what they need to do. And until they take accountability for that, there's no way that I see them coming out of this. I was, I was actually really surprised to see that the Kansan, uh, the University of Daily Kansan, the school newspaper there, actually put out an editorial this morning saying that it's time to move on from Zinger and from Beatty. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to see someone a little bit closer uh, in, in media. I mean, I, I realize it's, it's, it is the student paper, but that is a a legitimate, you know, media company um, that's kind of on this bandwagon now with us of that, that it's time to move on. Um, I think that the, the conversation is going to turn more and more to that as they kind of, you know, continue to pretend like nothing is wrong in, in the KU athletic program. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, I, I promised we would talk a little bit about basketball. So first of all, did you get a chance to watch the uh, the season opener? Uh, Tennessee State. Yes. Uh, let's see. I saw. I only saw a few minutes. I uh, was just kind of in passing. Again, kind of a you know. And we talked about this a little bit last time I was on too. I'm not big in right, right. Tennessee State of the world, but uh, you know, I've seen some of the highlights and, and I know Preston didn't play and so I'll be interested to see if he plays how he does against Kentucky. Um but uh Yeah, the but, news Yeah, I, I didn't actually get to see the game to answer your question, no. Yeah, the news coming out today is that he is, quote-unquote, on pace to play against Kentucky. Not really sure what that means because it's not like, you know, he was injured or anything. Um, other than, basically, it sounds like Bill Self isn't going to hold him out two games in a row, especially when we're probably going to need him for depth purposes, at least, yeah. against Kentucky. You know, there, there was a lot of talk about how, you know, Preston and Azubuke, um are two very important pieces. Actually, you know, our, our starting lineup hasn't had both of them. It's had four guards. and. And uh, I was listening to the to the guys over at uh, KU Sports. They they have a podcast, um, right? It's, uh, and I was listening to that. I think it was actually earlier today. Um, one of the older episodes. They were saying that that you know self intentionally keeps Preston and Azubuke off the floor um, at the same like tries to not have them both on the floor at the same time as much as he can because he wants to make sure that they're both not going to foul out and that he can use them because the offense that they have requires at least one of them out there. Um, you know, so there's been some concern foul trouble wise about making sure that, that they can stay on the court. So uh, I, I definitely don't think there's any way he holds them out, you know, unless he goes and gets himself arrested or something uh, down there, or I guess it's up there in Chicago, you know, before the game actually starts. Um, yeah. He's, he's definitely going to play. I think what surprised me from the game was the fact that Marcus Garrett started over Malik Newman. Um, you know, I, I know he had called out Newman and called out Svi and a few other guys, including Preston, about their rebounding during the exhibition, um, that last exhibition event for Hay State specifically. But, yeah. you know, I didn't think he was going to start Garrett. He has a very, um, a very uh, long track record of, you know, going with upperclassmen over, over the true freshmen, mainly because, you know, he values that experience and they've kind of shown what they can do. I'm not sure if that says more about what Garrett has been able to do um, or if it's more about the fact that Malik Newman was kind of in the doghouse a little bit to start the season. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I don't. I was, uh, well, I don't. And then I start talking. Uh, you know, I was, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you. I was a little surprised to see Mark Scary. He's a true freshman, right? Like, Correct. I was really surprised to see him in the starting. Bill Self does not like to play as freshmen. Um, at least not early. Big men. Yeah. Well, that. But I mean, especially early in the year, though. Right. So right. Uh, you know, like even MD didn't really play until conference play, did he? I mean. Uh, and he's one of the best players we've ever had. So, uh, yeah, I was definitely surprised to see Garrett in there. I think he even, he's been playing a lot of the four. Um, you know, when, when the 
himself has gone to his his four guard lineups, and I think for a while we were even running five guards around out there against Fort Hayes. but not that it's going to matter against that opponent, even though that was the game they struggled in the first half, right? Right. Uh, and then had to ratchet it up in the second half. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it was definitely a surprise. And, uh, I mean, what can you say that, um, you know, you know, in self we trust and, and uh, you know, hopefully Marcus Garrett is 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 has earned it and is gonna, you know, surprise all of us this year. Yeah, I mean I and I think what's most surprising about it, you know, we actually had been talking, it was uh well at, at different times having a C dot and then Jesse Newell and Fetch and I were all kind of talking on, on a couple different episodes about um, you know, what, what we were expecting. And I believe the consensus was that Marcus Garrett was probably going to be, you know, number, number eight, like seven or eight in terms of the rotation, um, you know, and, and like how valuable they were going to be to the team. But, but, you know, he played 29 minutes, um, which was more than Newman. He was four of six field goals. Uh, he had 10 points, you know, 10 rebounds. So he had a double double in his very first ever game. Um, two yeah. assists and uh, and then you know had had two fouls, but I mean it was a really phenomenal performance, and and he was a spark plug too on on defense. There were quite a few times uh, where he was poking the ball away or you know shutting down a guy who was making a key drive, things like that. So he was he was all over the place. Um, you know he had well I, all the other starters played more minutes than him, but nobody played more than thirty one minutes. So Vic and Graham played 31, Makai Luke and Azabuke played 30. So, I mean, basically he played the same number of minutes. And, and I think a lot of that was out of necessity um, just because, you know, without Preston, we basically have a seven man rotation. Um, so, you know, I'm not, it's, I'm not saying that he's going to continue to get those minutes all year long, especially if he's not starting. Um, but he's definitely shown himself to be a very valuable piece, especially on defense. Uh, and so I'm fully expecting him to get a lot more minutes than I thought he would. I could see him, you know, staying in the, in the starting lineup if he continues to play this way. So um, I'm expecting him to actually play pretty big against Kentucky because we're going to need everyone we can get. Kind of kind of turning to Kentucky real quick, I, I don't know if you saw, but they actually had two really close games, um, one against Utah Valley, which was a team that was not really expected to be very good, but they actually led Kentucky uh, by double digits in the first half, went into the half, up nine and Kentucky was able to make a run to take the lead early in the second half, but then they had to fight uh, all game long just to be able to put that one away. And then Sunday against Vermont, you know, they were, they were, uh, they were only up by a couple. They actually were dead. were up by three with about 30 seconds to go. And Vermont missed like three straight shots to, of, to, to miss out on getting the tie. So Kentucky does not look as daunting as they typically do this early in the season. I'm guessing it has to do with the fact that their recruiting class, while it was the number two recruiting class in the nation this year, it's not, you know, there wasn't as much recruiting talent to go around as there usually is um, for, for Kentucky to go ahead and get all of that. So I guess what that leads me into is kind of my question of what are you expecting going into this game tomorrow against Kentucky? Well, <laughs> I suppose I probably should have kind of like David Bailey. I should have been ready for that question tonight, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. Uh, and I'm not. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not even looking for, you know, any kind of deep dive analysis or anything. We'll, we'll actually get to that in the recap with, uh, with, with Fetch, I believe, is who we're going to get to talk about that after the game, um, probably on, on Wednesday or so. But, okay. uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, I mean, are you, are you expecting them to, to come out and, and compete well? Are you expecting Kentucky to be able to keep it close? I mean, I've heard people saying that, uh, you know, I believe Gary, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander over at CBS, they were saying, that they could see Kansas winning by anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20 points just because of the, the experience difference, which, uh, I mean, I'm a little surprised by that kind of prediction. Um, but Well, if, that, if that's true, Kentucky is not the number five team in the country. Well, right. And, and actually, the, uh, the AP poll came out today, and, and they dropped down to number seven, but still, there, oh, there's okay. no way that they're a top 15 team if they get completely wallowed. Yeah, I mean, as much fun as that would be, and we do all know a little bit from some of the beatdowns we've got from them and Champions Classic, but I mean, I honestly, I don't, uh, I don't know that much about Kentucky. You know, I don't, I don't check it out. I see a blue every day, like you know, right. some of our readers do. I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot about them, which I guess could maybe be construed as a good thing because what there was that one year that we played them, uh, you know, they had uh, uh, they had the eyebrow guy and they had uh, uh, eyebrow guy. Yeah, I, I can't think of his name. What was his name? Who did I think it off? <laughs> Uh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Uh, I'm, I'm not sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it looks like Bert from Sesame Street. It really does. Uh, Google it. But, uh, you know, they had him, and that, that was one of the, you know, the biggest recruited classes in the you know, history of basketball. And number one, didn't that team go like, Unbeaten all the way to the final four that year, and um, and I mean we we just every time we've played them up to date, every time we've played them in the Champions Classic, they've had these you know super recruiting glasses, and they've been you know number one or number two, and we've just gotten destroyed by them. Uh, but I I don't know if that's the case this year. Maybe I just Maybe my, you know, viewing habits have changed or something, but I haven't heard that much about them. Uh, obviously, I know they're ranked up pretty high, and they're still pretty high in garden. Cal Party's still there, and it's not like he's going to not recruit the one and dones. But, um, but yeah, I, so as for what do, what do I expect, well, how about what I don't expect? I don't expect to score 10 points in the second half and lose by 30. How is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's pretty fair. <laughs> but, yeah, no, actually, so, so that year, and, and, and I think that's part of the reason is that, you know, we, we don't actually hear so much about it anymore is because that was the first year, really, that um, – that the Calipari basically brought in an entire new team in freshmen, like superstar freshmen. Um, Anthony Davis was obviously the, the big headliner, but they had multiple other guys that, you know, came in in that recruiting class. But the other reason is just that Duke has gotten all of the big headlines. Um, you know, Devin Dotson, they had uh, Marvin or Bagley that came in. 
so, you know, they had by far the number one recruiting class over there at Duke. And so Kentucky automatically loses kind of a little bit of shine there. Um, and just the fact that Duke is, you know, again, the kind of the consensus number one team coming into the year for the second year running, all the big storylines have been about Duke this year. Miles um, Bridges coming back was a big surprise to everybody over at Michigan State, you know, and so that ate up a lot of the, the press time. And just the fact that Kentucky has routinely been bringing in these big classes, so it's not really anything you talk about anymore. Um, you know, add in the fact that they've had years where they get really big freshman recruiting classes, but, you know, they made the NIT one year. Um, you know, so it's not like getting a big recruiting class automatically means success now for what Calipari is doing. And, I, and a lot of that has to do with just with the fact that they don't have nearly as much experience on that team as, as most of your teams do. They get really big freshman recruiting classes. So they're not able to blend that together well. He's essentially working with brand new players every year. There's not a lot of continuity in that program. And, and what we've seen is that the programs that are consistently at the top tend to have to have at least two or three glue, glue guys that are upperclassmen that, you know, go from one big class to the next. Um, Kentucky just doesn't usually have that very well. And so, you know, they're, they're not really getting talked about this year because they haven't been consistently up at the top uh, year after year with these big freshman recruiting classes. They're always still relevant. They're always still a good team and a hard out. But, you know, they haven't kind of gotten the results that you that they would have thought they would be getting and the, the kind of stuff that Calipari was promising when he first came there. Um, so nationally, they just don't get quite the same buzz. This year, though, I mean, they have, they have a lot of talented guys, but they've definitely seen this year um, that the experience they have just isn't there. Um, I mean, I, I, could, I could potentially see Kansas blowing them out, but only because it would be a case where, you know, the Kentucky guys get a little frustrated uh, going down the stretch. Kansas starts making a bunch of shots and Kentucky presses and either turns it over or, um, you know, or starts fouling Kansas and Kansas makes a bunch of foul shots. So I mean, I could see the final margin getting up into the double digits, but it's not like it's going to be a, you know, uh, Kansas versus North Carolina in the final four, 2008. Kind of thing. So <laughs> that'd be awesome. Though. Oh, that would be awesome. And, you know, <laughs> I would definitely, I would definitely be down for that. But you know, considering the last time that that happened, when we got blown out by Kentucky, I believe it was in 2012, um, when we, or no, I'm sorry, it, it happened after that that we got just completely demolished by Kentucky. But, but the first time we played the, or back in 2011, 2012 season, you know, we played Kentucky and then got a rematch in the national championship game. So, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that happening either. Um, as much as, you know, as much as uh, I think this Kentucky team is probably going to be pretty good at the end of the year, like, like they typically are, just once they kind of get that experience under their belt. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely take that any day of the week for us playing in the national championship against whoever. So, all right. Um, any, any final thoughts on the game coming up? All right. Think we've anyway. All right, sounds good. So yeah, I think we'll go ahead and leave it there. Just one final thing I wanted to to talk about: um, the Kansas volleyball team uh, played Baylor this year, Whew, this sad. weekend. Yeah, I know they got swept. Now Madison Rigdon, unlike what we thought, is is actually injured enough that she was kept out of this match as well. So there's definitely something a little bit more serious than we were hoping going on with her, and and you could tell you know, going into that game, that, that match against Baylor, that they're, they're just not the same team without her out there. Um, but yeah, the other thing to keep in mind too, is that Baylor has not dropped a set since the last time 
they played Kansas, um, which is actually a really impressive stat if you think about it, because I, I believe Kansas swept them. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Kansas swept them. And then since that, that time. That sounds right. I, right. I think that's right. I mean, I think that's like six matches. Without, without it up, yeah. Yeah. I, but I mean, there's been at least six matches, I think, in between those, and they have yet to drop a single set. Yeah, that's uh, impressive. So, yeah, that's really impressive. The Bears are really hot right now. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up hosting uh, a, a regional in the or one of one of the first round sites in the NCAA tournament, just with how hot they've been. Um, I, you know, I could I could potentially see them pushing Texas, although Texas would have to lose to us, I think, and then also the one further match they have against Baylor for Baylor to get yeah. up there. So, yeah. All right, I think that's all we'll say on that. Though it was, you know, it was a rough week. Hopefully, um, you know, we'll we'll probably talk just a little bit about that. Um, Although it the it won't actually get up uh, until after the the Texas match, so uh, the next episode that we have maybe we'll recap a little bit of the Texas match, but but maybe not. Um, all right, well I'll go ahead and leave it there, and unless there was something else that you were just dying to get off your chest tonight. Uh, no, uh, you know football sucks. Probably had a bad week, you know. So let's, uh, let's let's hope somebody can turn it around this week. Exactly. Well, yep. Let's hope that uh, Kansas can or the basketball team can can go ahead and pick up our spirits and and move us forward through the rest of the year. So, um, you know, I think that Zinger's kind of hoping everyone will forget about the other sports, but uh, you know, I I will be all too happy to just jump into basketball completely at this point. So. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and leave that there then. Uh, thank you again for joining me, Mike. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you do catch us on Friday, on, on our Friday episode. I may actually end up posting that one a little bit early. Um, we may end up getting it up on Thursday um, just because, you know, it'll be so exciting to talk about the, the game unless we get completely destroyed. So, um, But Fetch and I will definitely be breaking that down. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to get up, but I've already got a commitment from him to go ahead and jump on that next episode. So... Uh, it, it, it should be a good one. Definitely go ahead and catch us on Friday, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.